not proper language. I shouldn't be saying John. <laughs> like you're a cool John, or I mean, it's the kind of the it's like the stereotype lingo, I guess. But it's I don't say that ever. <laughs> you know, it's painted on your airport. I was in your airport one time, and it's just on the <laughs> wall, just big, just J A W N. And I'm like, well, there you go. It's part of the language. Yep. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome back. This is cool. I feel like Thanks. you're going to be a recurring guest. Um, you did not agree to this, I but it. I hope that you just know that that's <laughs> going to happen. But yeah, it's good to have you back on. We talked about Cannes Film Festival last time. A lot of movies that will hopefully be coming out this year, depending on if they get purchased, if they get distributed, but then also some big films that will be coming out. Absolutely. But I do want to ask before we dive into kind of everything what have you been watching just recently, whether it's TV, whether it's movies? Um, we are going to dive into kind of what's been going on because I know that you are working on the Paramount lot right now. But what are you watching? Yeah, so um, I have been watching. I've been going out to movies since I've been here. Um, some of them are on my list, so I like won't say some of them. But um, I am watching. I just rewatched season one of The Bear to, to watch now season two because I freaking love that show. Um, so I started season two last night, so I'm very excited to finish it. I've, all my, like, friends and family are like, I finished it so fast, so. Where are you at right now in season two? I think I'm on episode two. I, like, just started it. So I did just watch, I've been, I've been watching it too. I love the first season. I don't watch too much television just because I think it's so cool, but I can't really invest 10 hours of my time, whereas I can invest two hours of my time to watch Mm -hmm. films. But I just watched episode six, which is, you know, if you're watching The Bear, they're typically 30-minute episodes, and episode six is an hour long. And so I was like, oh, this is unique. And they bring in massive cast members. It's the cameos, right? Yeah, they bring in massive cast members. Yeah, okay, so I heard about this. And it is so well made. It is the most chaotic thing I've ever seen in my life, but (laughs) it's near perfect. Like, I looked on IMDb after because I was like, yo, this is a 10 out of 10 episode. And it's 9.8 out of 10. I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So I'm excited for you to watch that episode. Let me know what you think. I I probably will finish this week. We'll see. You know, The Bear is just a great show to watch. If anybody wants like a refreshing show, just one that you feel is a little bit more original, a little bit more relatable, real. It just has that like, I don't know, it has a realistic energy to it. And I like it. And Jeremy Allen White is phenomenal. So Yeah, and it's so quick too. Yes, very, very quick. Anything else that you've been uh, watching? Any movies that aren't Um, on your list that you want to mention? Well, I am working... This is not on my list, which (laughs) I don't know, but I'm working for... um, The the production company I'm working for is called Deep on Aventura Pictures, and they just produced Transformers, the new Transformers movie. So I went and saw that with my fellow interns, which was very fun. And the next day we went we went into the office and talked about it with the people who made it. So that kind of, you know, made the experience more interesting. And, um, yeah, and they, like, took our critiques and stuff. It was really cool. Um, and by so, people who made it, are these producers? Like, who, who yeah. are these? So okay. basically, basically it's Lorenzo Di Bonaventura. He was the... Um, the president of production at Warner Brothers during the 90s. So he famously, like, did the deal for Harry Potter. Um, and then his other credits include, like, The Matrix. Uh, that was another big one that he did. So yeah, then he started massive. his own... Yeah, then he started his own company. Um, so and it's a small company, you know, like, most production companies aren't, aren't very big. Um, and so, obviously, they have a deal with Paramount, so that's why we're on the lot. Um, 
And yeah, it's like, it's kind of weird because the industry is like sort of shut down because of the strike. So nothing's really happening on the lot, but been meeting, you know, a lot of cool people. And we basically work directly with their assistants. So like Lorenzo's assistant and then the other producers at the company. Um, and so they kind of have like a very broad scope of, of everything that's going on. Um, just so in the industry a- and in the company, so... Give us a visual. So you're going to Paramount lot. Is this just filled with studios? Like, and are these studios like just big warehouses? What does this look like? You're working there every day. I know I'm assuming this company is under Paramount. I mean, that just kind of makes sense. Okay. So what does Mm -hmm. that look like? Yeah. So um, I go into the lot every day. Basically, I, I have to park outside the lot because my pass doesn't have parking inside the lot um but there's lots of parking around so I park just like on the street and walk through the gates where all those the writers strike you know Mm. the writers are which is hard um it was hard at first they're very respectful obviously like I and I know that I'm not the one who's like (laughs) I'm not the villain here you know like I'm not doing anything um but it's definitely like hard to cross the picket line and do they um, make you feel bad so at all? Like, do they shout no, at you? Do they? Okay, no, not so they at all. They are respectful. They very, truly and I'm are like making... fully. Oh, absolutely. And I'm fully in support of it, which is why it's like very difficult. Um, but yeah, so go in and there's we have our own office, but then there's it's a lot of offices, honestly. And then there's just big sound stages. So there's like 30 plus, I think, stages. Some of them are smaller. Some of them are bigger. Um, Paramount is kind of iconic and like it has the view of the Hollywood sign. So there's like this one street on the lot where like you can see the Hollywood sign like straight into the hills, which is pretty That's cool. That's incredible. Um, and then they have some sets still like up from past, you know, like historical productions because there's constantly tours. So there's like a tourist thing where you can go and take a tour of the lot. Um, so what I'm sets are constantly those? seeing you know? tours walking around. Um, I know that one is, like, the I Love Lucy sets they have up still. Um, I did the tour, like, five years ago with my parents, which is kind of crazy that I'm, like, working there now. But, um, like, when I was on vacation, I did it. Um, but I can't remember all of them. Um, they have, like, the Forrest Gump bench and, like, just, like, like stuff like that. Like, kind of iconic sets. Um, and, yeah, but the things that are filming on the lot... I mean, I guess recent things that we're filming were, like, Dr. Phil has a big stage there, but that's obviously not on anymore. Um, they have, like, NCIS. Oh, did Dr. Phil end? Did I not know yeah. this? I, I, I had no <laughs> yeah. idea that Dr. Phil end. He retired. He's done. <laughs> I think so. Oh, Unless I okay. Try. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then, like, iCarly, the reboot, is filming there. But, like, since the strike, everything is not – nothing's happening right now. So I was going to so. ask you, and maybe this – you just answered it. Have you seen any, like, films being made, any shows being made, anything? I mean, I'm sure the writer's strike is kind of halting everything. Yeah, unfortunately, no, because of the strike. Um, When we got there, uh, we talked to, like, the, you know, the employees at the company, and they were like, yeah, pretty much, like, nothing's happening right now because of the strike, which uh, is a bummer to be on the lot and not to have anything in production, but it's so cool to walk around. Like, we have free range of it. And at one point, or, like, in one section of the lot, there's just, like, a big, like, city, basically, because there's just lots of, like, New York sets, Chicago set, like, buildings. Like, it's just kind of cool because you feel like you're, like, in a miniature city. You're you're in the midst of Hollywood, Leah. You're in the midst of Hollywood, which 
honestly, I say it, I say it to you every time we talk. I think it's really cool. I think it's something less than one percent of people in the states or even in this the industry of cinema get to experience. So, yeah, keep keep sharing updates. I'm sure uh, you'll have more as we bring you back on. Uh, this is going to be a fun episode because what we're going to do is we're going to rank the 10 best films of the first half of the year, which I think is exciting because we've had kind of an up and down. You correct me if you feel differently, but I think we've had an up and down first half of the year where there have been some <laughs> really impressive films and then some very underwhelming films. And I, after looking at my list, because I went on Letterboxd and I was like, okay, what is my diary? Like, what did I rate everything? I just need to kind of figure out how I how I felt about all these movies. And I feel like it's been a very three to three and a half out of five first half of the year. Like there haven't been a ton mm. of really, really bad films, but there haven't been a ton of really great films either. That's kind of where my list is at, but we're going to rank them 10 to one. We, we don't have the same list. I assume we actually did not share lists. So. So I have no idea what Leah <laughs> has on her list, but before we dive into number 10, what are your thoughts on the first half of the year? How are you feeling about movies so far going into July? Yeah, so obviously there's two really huge movies in July that I think are going to kind of knock the first half of the year out of the water. I need to preface this list by saying a few things. One is that I do watch a lot of TV, so there's a lot of... I feel like I could rank my top TV shows of the year as well. Like, I I definitely am equal, I think, on, like, films and TV. Okay. Um, which is, I guess, different from you. And then I also have not seen Across the Spider-Verse... Okay. Or Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think would probably be on my list, at least one of them, mm-hmm. if I had seen it, or like things would be knocked down. So I just want to preface by saying that, because I'm sure at least one of those is on your list. And yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great preface. Yeah, I was actually, the one film, and once again, I have no idea how good films are when people talk about them, but one film that people have talked about quite a bit at the time of this recording that I haven't seen is Past Lives. And so I have not seen this film. I have a slight thought that it would be on my list. Maybe it wouldn't, but that is one that I'm a little bit disappointed I haven't seen yet. But I think it'll be interesting regardless. There will be 10 films. And then what we'll also do is we'll do a... (laughs) I took the movies, I, I would say some of the most anticipated movies of July through the end of the year, and mm-hmm. I paired them against each other. And I want us to make a pick on which one we believe will be the better movie, regardless of the marketing and regardless okay. of everything. I paired them to what I believe are kind of equal. Equal in the okay. quality, equal in you know the writing, directing. And I did my best. There were some weird ones, but yeah. I think I've paired them pretty well. So we'll see okay, what we fun. got there. Okay. Great. Do you wanna do you wanna start us out with your number ten? Sure. <laughs> Let's do um, it. Um I'll start us off. Okay, so my number ten. For me, this movie is less about the movie and more about what it kind of represents for like theatrical films going forward. So this is No Hard Feelings, the new okay. Jennifer Lawrence comedy. Um, I saw this like a few days ago, like last week. And I personally was never like a huge raunchy comedy kind of person. I don't really find potty humor that funny. Um, But this was actually like such a like heartfelt, but like laugh out loud, like definitely super raunchy, kind of awkward, um, just like enjoyable movie experience. Um, And so that's why I wanted to put it on here because one, Jennifer Lawrence is just, I don't know, I feel like 
haven't seen her in a comedy and she is just a really funny, relatable person in, in real life is what it seems like in interviews and stuff. So it was so great to see her in this role. And yeah, I just thought it was hilarious. Um, and an interesting story that I feel like haven't seen in a comedy before. So Nice. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. this one yet. But yeah. one thing I, I listened to a podcast talking about Jennifer Lawrence in general and they were saying, it's weird that we're finally getting a movie that feels like the right type of movie for Jennifer Lawrence. Like, she's always yes. in these dramas. She's always in these really serious roles. But they said that this type of movie fits. Like, it feels very much like her. And it's funny that she hardly gets any of these type of movies. And correct me if I'm wrong, though this is a raunchy comedy, the, at least from the podcast, they didn't share any spoilers. But they said that there's no, like, true sex scenes. Like, it is raunchy, but there's not, like super graphic maybe i'm wrong no. i don't know i mean there is nudity like for sure okay. um yeah like com- like full nudity okay but like <laughs> it's not <laughs> but it's not like i don't know it 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 does it very well like it's not su- it's like hilarious like it's not super um i don't know i guess overexposed or anything like it's really it's it's right with the story i think <laughs> okay um, no it's hard obviously feelings. very over the top but it's fun yeah Cool. Yeah. And and I got to ask, just off of your own opinion, I don't know that the male lead at all or the male actor that is kind of the prominent kid, was he good? Did you like him in that role? Yes. Yeah. So I actually know him, not personally, but like I know of him because um, he was a Broadway kid. So he started in D.R. Van Hansen, the show that Ben Platt was like the, the lead of, um, a big, big smash hit musical. Um, and he did that a few years ago. And so I followed him. And so I've kind of followed him like through, um, through up to this point, but I think this is his like big break. And we have like some mutual friends, which is kind of random. Um, is he from Philly? New York? No, he's, he's, he's from New York, but like, it's fun to see him kind of have that big, you know, breakout moment with, with Jennifer and everything. So it's cool. And he was great. He was great. He was well cast for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. No hard feelings. Number 10 on your list. Um, I'm sure cinephiles everywhere will hate me for this, but I just got to be true to myself. Number 10 on my list is Asteroid City, uh, Wes Anderson's latest. And I don't know if you could say greatest, but it is his latest. And let me be, (laughs) let me just, Wes Anderson is probably more Wes Anderson now than he's ever been. And what I mean by that is I feel like he, instead of telling stories, he's creating art pieces. He's creating something to look at. He's creating frames Mm -hmm. that are so impressive. And this movie is drop-dead gorgeous. The framing, um, I I did a little behind-the-scenes like video watch of how they kind of pieced together the entire set. And it's just incredible. They, They did a great job making it look pretty. But I'm not a fan of kind of this this flat acting. I mean, that's the purpose of it. It's like very flat. It's very much, you know, yeah. dry talking to each other, and it's very stagnant, and it, it it just moves so stiff. And don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. the cast is one of the best, if not the best cast we've seen all year so far. But I don't know. I just didn't. It, it was good. Like, and it, that's why it's number ten on my list still. It just underwhelmed for a Wes Anderson film. So, yeah. I don't know. This is definitely not toward the top of my Wes Anderson rankings. I still need to see Rushmore. I haven't even seen that one yet. So, yeah. What did you think? I mean, I don't know if this is on your list at all, but I know you saw this at Cannes. So, what yeah. are your thoughts? Yeah, so um, this is on my list. So, I guess I could talk about it when I get there. 
but I spoke about it a little on our on our first uh, before you had seen it um, on our first podcast episode. But yeah, I feel similar to you. Okay, so I'll talk about it cool. when I get to it. Cool. All right. So Asteroid City and No Hard Feelings at number ten. So number nine. Yes. So very different movies. <laughs> Um, okay, so my number nine is, um, is Elemental, the new Pixar movie. Um, so I also saw this at Cannes, which I mentioned this before, but I think my experiences of the whole, the whole experience definitely adds to like, even if the movie wasn't as amazing as it could have been, I think the, seeing the premiere of this was like very exciting and and it kept me really engaged the whole time. That's one thing special. I neglected to mention, yeah, like for sure. And one thing I neglected to mention when I talked about it um, the first time was I really think like the immigrant stories are something we haven't seen like in Disney or in, in Pixar before. And I think since it is a kids movie, you know, child movie more than adult leaning, um, I think that's like a really important story to see. And and I I especially for for children. So. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a very sweet story. I kind of found it funny that it was a like basically a romantic comedy, but they made it a very you know kids movie. Um, yeah, I, I thought the animation was you know classic Pixar, but also like they took some risks. Um, and it obviously just it wasn't the best Pixar movie. Like I think we can agree that movies like Inside Out are just you know top tier Pixar, um, but it was still enjoyable. So. Nice. Yeah, and I do think that that event element adds quite a bit of satisfaction to For your sure. viewing experience. For Mine sure. is quite opposite. I mean, I yeah. the, the power in my theater literally went out with 20 minutes left, so I did not finish this movie. Um, oh, no. I was, I was sitting in AMC, and I went to like, so I was off work on, I think it was a Friday, and I went to the theater, and I was like, oh, there's not going to be anybody here. It's a 2 p.m. viewing on a Friday. But lo and behold, I'm the only person on the very back row, and then there are three full rows in front of me. And so I was like, oh, nice. We have, like, a good turnout here. And I'm watching this movie, and when the lights go out or when the power goes out, there's, like, a spotlight in the theater, and the spotlight is on me in the back row. No! And so I'm like, uh... And everybody turns around and looks at me. And I'm like, uh... I don't know what's going on. I've never been in this situation. But I I could assume... What happened? Uh, I brought on a guest, Ramy, who kind of was like, "Yeah, this is mm. what happened." I was like, "Yeah, that's what I figured what would happen." But the, you know, what's weird is, and I don't think I think Encanto is just Disney animation. I don't think they're Pixar, but yeah. I thought Encanto kind of served a similar purpose in a better way. Yeah. Like I, I, I just thought Encanto was agree. so enjoyable, and they they included this this kind of mystical feature, which made it a you know. Not just a standard animated movie, but it mm-hmm. made it a little bit more extra. But they still had that grounded story. Whereas this one, though you make a great point, I think we should be able to make stories like this to have kind of this like clash of maybe human beings that don't typically clash in history or whatever the case may be. It just maybe didn't feel like that for a good portion of it. I was like, oh, maybe I do yeah. see what they're doing. I just don't think kids really get the message that the film wanted to portray because they don't kind of comprehend Fair. that to a certain age. We do. You know, we can look at it and say, oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, that's a good message. It also didn't help that I, mm-hmm. I saw Inside Out for the very first time the night that, <gasps> yeah, that same night. I literally went home You've and watched. You've never seen it? That movie is great. That movie is purely You've great. You've never seen that movie? 
<laughs> no, that goodness. was my first time. I probably watched that. I probably watched Inside Out like fifteen times. Honestly, like I've seen that movie so many times. One of the best it's... voice acting performances I've I've heard. Like Amy Poehler right. is incredible. I mean, every single voice is is great, but only because they own it. Like you truly feel yeah. so much. Whereas in this film, I didn't think anybody was bad. I just felt like the entire story was so. I don't know, maybe I don't like to use the word vanilla, but I just feel like it was a little bit yeah, vanilla. Like, I yeah. didn't feel like there was a lot of risk, a lot of highs and lows. Anytime there was a low, it was, like, pretty much resolved in two seconds. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. cool, sounds good. But then again, it's still an animated film. I thought this Pixar film was more directed to children probably mm-hmm. than many other Pixar films that have come before it. Even Toy yeah. Story is not directed strictly to children. So maybe that's mm-hmm. what I was missing a little bit. Yeah, totally. I agree. So, all right, Elemental, number nine. Nice. All right, so number nine on my list. This is a very refreshing romantic comedy on Hulu. It is called Ride Lane. We have talked about this a couple yeah. times. Um, this is, it's a beautiful film. Cinematography, the color saturation, the the witty dark I wouldn't even say dark comedy it's just more adult comedy it's just very much like real it's the conversations you'd have with somebody in London that you're meeting for the first time feels like this and it's an hour and you know 26 minutes or so and it's just you you never feel bored you never feel like they're rushing anything you never feel like you don't know where the plot's going so it's not necessarily unpredictable but it's not boring like you're not just like okay get to the ending it's just really refreshing and i think this is one of hulu's better projects they've done in a while i know they had prey which was kind of hyped and i thought that Mm. that was a good movie but i think this one should get a little bit more love so rylane number nine on my list yeah this is also on my list like i think kind of higher up which you might be surprised what it's in front of but um I freaking love this movie. Um, I just think also I wanted to put it higher because I think it deserves so much recognition. I haven't heard anyone talk about this movie. Uh, and I really I think agree. it deserves like it was just freaking beautiful. Like, yes, it was. I'm just glad so... you saw it because I don't think last time we talked, I don't think you had seen it. Yeah, I, I watched it. Um, I watched it when I got to L.A. So I I'll talk about it now. Honestly, like, can we just appreciate a quick watch? Like, it was so yes. fast. Yes, and easy. Such an easy so, watch. So easy to watch. It was such a like fun story. I love those stories that take place in like one day, because it is kind of like one or two days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's you know it is. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much like um, one or two days. And like this movie just like paid attention to things that I feel like others don't like. Like the like you said, like the color of it, like certain just cinematography things, like. They kind of do like a fisheye lens. They do. A few and it's times, beautiful. Which and I, it works. It's so, it works. It works so well. Like, I feel like they they took certain risks that you don't really see in like this lighthearted, like, kind of rom com. Um, and it paid off so well. You know, sometimes you watch, like, for example, Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, which I really, you know, it's a, once again, a beautiful film. I think it is teetering a little bit too much on the visual side and less on the story side. Yeah. But this movie feels pretty equal. It feels pretty equal on yeah. story as it does the visuals. And they try things. As you said, they use this kind of wide-angle fish, like fisheye lens when they're like walking or like crossing the street or you know the reflection in a window. And it feels refreshing. You're watching, you're like, oh, I've never seen that before. But it's so yeah. quick. It's like a 
two-second thing. They don't hone in on it and say, hey, look at what we're doing. Yeah, no, they don't. So, yeah. I'm glad that this is on your list. I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so my number eight is Asteroid City. Nice. Um, Yeah, so I I did see this movie in Cannes. I think (laughs) the biggest thing is that, like, I saw this movie with all the stars in it with Wes Anderson, and I still couldn't fully, like, engage myself and pay attention. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just couldn't connect uh, to it on a deep level. Um, Were you bored? To me, this... You could be honest. That's I mean, I I was a little like there were there was a lull. There was quite yes. a, a lull throughout the movie. Yes, yes. So, so to me, this film is like pretty much mostly style and like little substance. Um, Great way of putting but the it. Sti- the style is so impressive that like I I couldn't not put it on my list. But I don't know. I th- I do think it's really difficult to like world build like he does, and he does it in such a specific way and I think it's really impressive that you know one person has created such a distinct style for themselves but I just think this movie like you said was a little like flat like that performances were just very you know one note and to have such an incredible cast and to not utilize them to their full potential was just like a little disappointing also not to, like, keep bringing up the whole, like, you know, we brought up No Hard Feelings and their, like, you know, rated art situation. This might be, like, the only PG-13 movie I know that has a, a full frontal nudity situation. Like, this... Oh, you're uh, right. Yeah, I was like, wait, this is PG-13? Okay, <laughs> not, like, well done. I yeah. guess we're progressing in that that way. But, yeah, I, I you made a great point. The way that Wes builds a world and not only builds a world but like knows how to move his camera in angles you don't typically see that Mm -hmm. alone makes this movie watchable and it makes it appealing and enjoyable but to contradict that you do have the lack of story and the lack of excitement and the lack of emotion and i think it's really the emotion i just want to feel something so if i'm if i'm able to feel something then i think this movie is top tier for the first half of the year but since i wasn't able to feel something it's kind of like, okay, I'm like fighting for you, Wes, to keep this on my top 10. So, right, right. Yeah, kind of a weird contrast, but number yeah. eight, nice. So, eight and 10 for Asteroid City. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. I'm glad somebody agrees with me because I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> our opinions are not it popular. Has, it has a bit of a high rating on uh, everything. See, but not like, like middle to high. I, but that's also. I, I feel uneasy about this whole political, like. <laughs> Once again, I, I guarantee, I will promise you, and we can revisit this this clip right here, this audio clip that I'm about to say, if it's wrong. But I promise you, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer will not have an, an under 8 rating on IMDb, strictly for the fact that it's Christopher Nolan. It might be a bad movie, but he won't get <laughs> under 8. Like, I just, nobody's going to yeah. give him that. Like, this, that's Wes yeah. Anderson. I feel like people are like, oh, it's Wes. We got to give him yeah. a high score. It's like, yeah, but Automatic. also, you got to kind of see it for what it is. Uh, number eight on my list. This is a fun movie and one I did not expect to enjoy. I put Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. It's mm-hmm. fun from start to finish. You don't feel the time. Talking about Wes Anderson, I felt the time. And this one, you don't at all. You watch it and then it ends and you're like, whoa, okay. And then there's a massive, there's a cameo of Bradley Cooper. I'm just going to share that right now. That is <laughs> so like... It comes out of nowhere, and that's kind of the theme of this film is everything's kind of coming out of nowhere. But I think this is a fun watch, whether it's a date night, a family night. 
you just you need something to watch and you want to enjoy yourself with some some snacks and food this is a good one to put on yeah i remember hearing that it was like much more or it was unexpectedly great um i yeah. haven't seen it but okay so uh, number 7 number 7 okay my number 7 this is also definitely an experience one is uh indiana jones Oh, this will most likely come out the day that Indiana Jones is released. So let's hear it. (gasps) I forgot it wasn't out yet. Sorry. Oh, my God. Totally. No, you're good. That's perfect. That's perfect. (laughs) That's perfect. I totally forgot that Um, because I saw the premiere and I was like, oh, wait, it's out. Okay. Um, Let me just preface your review real quick by saying I saw the third one for the first time. I'm kind of catching up because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing a podcast on Indiana Jones next week. And oh, nice. I've only seen the first, the third, and the fourth, so I haven't seen the second one yet. And okay. I heard that the second one isn't necessarily the best. However, I feel like Indiana right. Jones movies feel the exact same to me. So I don't know. Yeah. Let me hear your <laughs> thoughts on the fifth one. Yeah, so um, definitely the – I mean, I went to the premiere at Cannes. That definitely made it uh, probably ten times better. Um, I think if I had read this script, I would have been like, what is going on? Like, it is kind of crazy, especially the ending portion. Like, the third act is like, what, just, you know, wait till you see it. It's, it's <laughs> definitely an, ex- it's definitely an adventure. Um, but it's also as, like, swashbuckling and fun as you expect a movie like this to be. I, I think, I think Harrison Ford, obviously he's such a legend, and they utis- they utilize him like, in such a great way. I mean, the beginning of the movie is basically they CGI his face, which this is out already. Like, people know about this. Um, and he's young, he's young indie, which I think worked well. Like, I don't think it seemed too fake or anything. I think um, it was a fun addition to the beginning of the film, and then they obviously jump forward. Um, but I really think that like, a nice addition to this was Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I think she was really well cast. And, I don't know, I personally think it wraps up the... and captures the spirit of the franchise in a really in a really nice way. Um, I know some people don't agree, but I, I really enjoyed it. It was very fun, and especially at Cannes, I said this before, but I was watching a lot of, like, art house movies, and this was just a fun break from that. Um, and, you know, a classic, like, American adventure movie. So, yeah. I almost imagine that people are really going to enjoy this. I feel like they're going to oh, be like, yeah, sure. another Indiana Jones movie. But whereas yeah. I look at this, I'm like, yo, James Mangold is directing, who did Logan, who did Ford vs. Yes. Ferrari, who did Walk the Line. Like, this is oh an incredible gosh, filmmaker. And we talked about it after you, after you went to Cannes. I was, I was pretty high on this movie, strictly for yeah. that reason, not for the reason of Indiana Jones and the franchise. Because one thing that I don't necessarily enjoy, and I put this in my review of the third movie is I don't like that all the Indiana Jones movies have zero cohesive elements to the previous films. Like, they just start fresh with a new mm. story. Like, they, they kind of whip up something that you that was never mentioned, really. Like, maybe in the intro, yeah. like the third one, they introduce him in Utah, which is cool, because that's where I'm from. Yeah. And they kind of show how he gets his whip and his hat and, you know, mm-hmm. the scar on his chin. But then apart from that, everything's new. Like, a whole new mystery, a whole new adventure, and... Yeah. And I just don't know if if I watch a sequel, I kind of like a little bit of looping in to previous, you know, story yeah. elements. But 
I don't know. Does it do that with this one? Like, is it completely new? I mean, I asked somebody who had seen all the films, does the Dial of Destiny show up in any, you know, in one, two, three, or four? And they said no. So I don't know if this yeah. is, like, just completely new. It doesn't, but I think because it's because it's past, you know, it was made so far, like, so much later than the other ones, I think it obviously wants to call back to the past four in, in certain oh. ways. Um, like, just in terms of, you know, like, with even with, like, the Star Wars sequels, like, I feel like there's elements that, like, they bring in different characters or they want to just call back to the originals because it was, it's so far in the future. Um, obviously this wasn't, this one isn't like crazy in the future, but it, I mean, it starts with him as a younger indie. So from what I remember, I really haven't, honestly, like I can't answer this question fully because I haven't seen the, the most recent one in like a really long time. Um, and so, I think that it follows after that one, but okay. it definitely starts with him younger. So it starts in the past and then carries into the, the future. Okay. So, and, and I like um, that. I like a little bit of like change of pace. And, you yeah. know, you said by you saying they tie in everything, maybe that's something I need. And maybe I will enjoy this one more than this, the third and the fourth. I mean, the first one's fun. I think the first one maybe. is a lot of fun. You know, if you watch that one. Yeah. It kind of is good standalone, but then they decided to make more films, yes. which I get it. But yeah, yeah. Well, cool. I think it's actually it's interesting. A lot of people's favorite. I've met a few people actually recently who their favorite movie is Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm like, that's so interesting. Like favorite of all time? Yeah, like of all time. <laughs> what did I rate? I did, I need to see what I rate, rated Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, it's Ark, a great I, like. Class. I think it's also probably due to nostalgia, but it is it is a. It I did see, I did see this on the plane, so that might be like a little bit. Um, okay. <laughs> hold on, I I need to pull this up. We're 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 waiting on this. Uh, okay, so I gave this I gave this a three and a half. I thought it was a lot of fun. Okay, yeah, okay. Which, yeah, th- I feel like that's kind of been my staple. I gave the third one a three. Yeah. Um, I haven't yeah. reviewed the fourth one since I've been on Letterbox. I watched that one when it came out. And honestly, I was excited. I like Shia LaBeouf, and so I thought that was a fun... That was the first one I had ever seen. I had never seen the first one when I watched the fourth. And once again, it it felt like I wasn't missing anything. So, cool. Number seven, Indiana Jones. Nice. Um, This is a fun one, and I like my inner self wants me to actually rate this higher, but the movies on my list that are higher, I just can't justify it. But this movie is called Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. This movie is... so fun so enjoyable one of the best portrayals like one of the best sets of of child acting and and from multiple children like a good chemistry between genuinely young children not 18 year olds pretending to be 13 or 20 year olds pretending to be 15 these were young kids and they were so fun their chemistry was great I thought the story was impactful and Mm -hmm. for anybody who doesn't know what the story is because I had no idea um, this is based off of a, a Judy Bloom book, which I believe, and I think I asked you this a while back, but I believe this is popular among like young women when they're children, like when they're kind of in that 10, 11, 12, 13 range of just kind of learning how to transition, learning how to kind of become older. And they do a great job of teaching that in the form of this girl asking 
God, who she doesn't know if she even believes in. She's just like, are you there? You know, it's me. Mm-hmm. And she does that in certain moments throughout the film. And I just love the... It's it's very genuine. I love the authenticity of it. It's not forced. No message is forced. Really, really good. And Rachel McAdams is really good. And I'm not a big Rachel McAdams fan. So they, I would recommend this one to anybody, wow. man or woman. Because though it's a full-scale female-led film, I think there's a lot of benefit to everybody. Yeah, I, re- I really want to see this. And that's, I mean, like, you really loving this movie, I feel like you just said, like, it speaks to the quality of it because, obviously, you're probably not the target audience for this movie, but you really enjoying it, I think, yeah, speaks to how good it is. So Yeah, oh, and I, I saw this with, <laughs> I think... There were, I would, I would probably say 60 women and my friend. So mm-hmm. <laughs> my friend and I were sitting there, and I, I think I mentioned this on the other podcast when we were doing it at the time, but the woman next to us literally turned over as we are in the middle of a row with probably five women on each side, and they just looked over and they said, did you know what you're getting yourself into? And I said, nope, but I, will, I am a simp for a free movie, so I will be here. And she's like, all right, sounds good. So That's that was so my funny. experience. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, number yeah, I'm, six. I'm definitely going to see that. Okay, number six. My number six, we already spoke, spoke about it, but it's Rylane. Nice. Hulu original, great, just great movie. I mean, I talked about it before, but the I just really want this movie to get the recognition it deserves. Both the actors, because the performances, obviously, like we've talked about the just the color tone of the movie and how interesting and fascinating it, it is, like the actual style, but the performances are also just great. I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a difficult story, but it's like, I don't know, it's a new kind of different rom kind of rom-com. And so I think like, you know, it's also very location specific, clearly. So I'm not sure if, if these actors are from that area or just know it really well. But I, I just think that they capture that specific part of London really well. Um, yes. And, yeah, it was just... It was just and can great. we just say their accents are beautiful? Like, maybe that's just me as I an know. American talking. Yes, but definitely. They are, they are <laughs> such beautiful people with beautiful yes. accents. And I just, yeah. I, I love them. They did a great job. Good pick. Me too. I like yeah. that. Um, maybe an unexpected number six. Very enjoyable. Thrilling, actually. And this is a product movie. Like, this is... Which, let me just say, I think we're in this era, you know? So this movie is called Blackberry. It's about Blackberry, Ooh, the yeah, Blackberry phones. Been... And this, you know, I just I watched Flamin' Hot, which is, you know, about Flamin' Hot Cheetos. You know, there's obviously Air, which is about the... Mm. You know, about Nike. There's so many product videos tetris that are being made yeah there are and this one i listened to an interview with the director and Mm -hmm. he said he wanted to take something so universally known by ear or by like you see the name and you're like oh Mm -hmm. i know that and he's like and i wanted you to think what you're going to get and then give you something completely different because he knows what people expect if they see blackberry like the word the name and then this this film was it's similar. Do you like The Office? Do you ever watch The Office? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So you know how The Office or Parks and Rec or Arrested Development they do these really like intense push shots because it's very like mockumentary style yes. and it, it yes. kind of put you in the action. They do that throughout this entire film, wow. and it's so intense. Like you feel like you're there. And the director was also one of the the lead character. Well, 
supporting characters who's okay. great and the the type of thrill but the type of humor and the humanity mm-hmm. and kind of the brilliance and downfall of what could have been i think that's like a, a a good way of putting it what could have been is so enticing this is an enjoyable movie like if you like tech if you like iPhones, yeah. if you like, you know, if you're curious at all about anything regarding this day and age and how we got here in the first place, that's a good movie to watch. Okay, I've this has been on my list. Like, I've been wanting to see this. I was actually planning to watch it this weekend, and then I had something come up, but, ugh, okay. Now I'm definitely just going to watch it. <laughs> do I've it. I've been dying to. Yeah, let me so, know what you think. Yeah, I will. I will. I do also like movies like this. It's definitely my... My kind of thing. Um, like, you know, like social network-esque. It, it feels very social network. Very yeah. social network. And it has that yeah. same dark color tone. Like, you you know when you mm-hmm. watch social network, it's it's a little bit darker. It's almost like when you're editing a photo, and I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but you can, like, bring in the, the, like, blacks from the side, so it kind of, like, encompasses yes. the frame. Yes, It feels yes. very oh. much like that. I know, okay. I don't know what that's called, but now it's, like, it's killing yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. But. <laughs> Um, okay, so my, so number five. Top five. So, We're in the top five. Top five. Okay, so forgive me if this is, because on Letterboxd, this is 2022, but I looked it up and it said it had the wide release in January 2023. I have so, one of those. I think my number five is actually one of those as well. So maybe it's the okay. same number five. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. So, okay, so, so this is A Man Called Otto. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is Tom Hanks. Um, leads this film. It's based on a German film, um, which is like actually really adored. Um, and this is, you know, technically the, the American remake. Um, I only watched this like two weeks ago. Um, and if this says anything, like my parents really wanted me to watch it, and so they rewatched it so I could watch it. Oh, that's um, nice. And I, don't, I just thought it was a really sweet movie. I think it was pretty unique like I hadn't seen a movie like this in a while um and for me the like shining kind of star of this movie was the performance by uh the lead actress um who plays opposite Tom Hanks her name is Mariana her name is Mariana Trevino um and she honestly one of my favorite performances of the year so far I thought she was so just connected and she really moved me I mean she made me cry honestly like I I, like, bawled at this movie because she was just so great. Um, she was funny. She was, like, emotional. And, yeah, I feel like, honestly, her performance has elevated this movie for me. Um, and I I just thought it was, it was contemporary, which I liked. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, Tom Hanks was obviously great. He has been, like, back and forth for me, I guess, recently because I don't, he was he was great in this movie, but he, he was also just, like, a grump, to be honest. So, like, I, I couldn't... Is it weird it that he kind of fits that? Like, I feel like no, this... like... We're talking about Jennifer Lawrence in the comedies. Yes. This feels like Tom Hanks to me. I'm like, cast away, you know, he just has that same vibe of, like, kind of being a yeah. grump and being kind yeah. of a, a, you know, a sappy, you know, not so fun <laughs> individual. So, I, yeah. I yeah, I felt like this fit his, his vibe. Yeah, and, and you're right. This movie is not what... what like this movie cannot provide the emotion that you actually get. Like, I cried in this movie. You said you cried in this movie. You can't get that without Mariana Treveo. Is that her name? Trevino. Trevino, yeah. yeah she's incredible. Mm-hmm. That that counter, 
performance is so underrated where you have either a female lead and then a male supporting or vice versa. You need that. Like, I think that goes such a long way because they truly counter each other with their personalities. So that, yeah, this one was an emotional film. And yeah. I, mean, I think I don't think anybody truly watched it and said, "Yeah, this movie sucked." I didn't. I didn't want to watch yeah, this. Like it's it's one so. that you're just like, "Wow, this was entertaining. It was emotional. It was also like very moving. It wasn't mm-hmm. just like, oh, I feel like crap after I watch it.' No, like you feel moved. I think. Yeah. So. All right, top five. We're entering. This movie has been on my mind literally over the last month. So, this movie is called Sanctuary, was starring Margaret oh. Qualley, and. She's I great. am convinced by her performance in this film, she is our next movie star. This film is so intense and provocative, and I, I use the term non-erotically erotic because there's no <laughs> sex scene, uh, uh-huh. but it's very erotic in that sense, which is such a fascinating combination. When you can take a stationary film, and by stationary I mean one, one place, one environment, you know, you're not really moving anywhere. Kind of like the whale. You know, the whale takes place in one apartment or one townhome. This takes place in a hotel room. And that's essentially what's happening the entire time. But it's yeah. a big, big story focused on gender roles and how gender roles work and maybe how gender roles would be if they were switched. And it's really, really cool because it kind of opens your eyes. You know, whether you're. Me as, you know, a male or, if you know, you're Leah as a female watching this film. You're like, oh, this yeah. is intriguing because we don't typically see this style of communication every day. And from mm-hmm. start to finish, it's enticing. The ending wraps up very well. So, yeah, I just think this movie's super fun to watch and thrilling. And you just never have a dull moment. I mean, this was not really on my radar. So, I mean, I've obviously heard of it, but I just... I haven't heard that much about it. So, wow, okay, I have to watch this now. It also didn't have a wide release. Like, it was a very small, like, I think it had, like, a four-day window of being in theaters. Right, okay. But I understand what you mean by Margaret Qualley becoming, because she is rising. I mean, from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, starting to, like, she is definitely, I feel like she's doing it right. Like, she's growing through these, kind of like Florence Pugh did, like, through these smaller roles into these, like, you know, leading Parts. And she's in the, the new Ethan Cohen movie. Yes, yes. Drive Away Dolls. Yeah, that movie's coming out. So Yes. Yes. Um is this what is the genre of this, would you say? I would say this is wow, that, that is a good question. I would <laughs> say like if, if it's possible to, to pair this in a like a thrilling drama, I think that's okay. what I would describe it as. Okay, cool. I think because of like the imagery I saw from this, I put it as a horror in my mind that it does like, look like that. I didn't really read yeah. much about it. So like I, that was kind of based on nothing, but um, okay. Good to know. So yeah, I can, I can definitely watch this. Yeah. yeah the cover image is very kind of haunting. Like it's, it's yeah. a haunting image. Yeah. Okay. Sure. That makes sense. Great. Okay. So number four, cinephile. <laughs> you're you're cheesing. So so I, I feel like you have something that's going to be like either shock value or no, I don't know. What, just... what What's what's going on at number four? <laughs> okay. I said cinephiles will be not happy with me because this is not, you know, whatever. Okay. So my number four is Little Mermaid. Okay. And nice. um, this movie was just so enjoyable for me. I mean, it's probably like majority due to nostalgia of 
um, of the original film and what it meant to me as a kid and what it still means to me. Um, I cried like five times during this movie. I also, I saw it alone, which I think is such a specific experience going to a movie alone. Absolutely. Um, I like, I love doing that because I think you get a really like, I don't know, you, you don't have other influences around you and you can really think about it afterwards. Um, and you can experience your emotions like without having to temper them in any way. So, um, like if we're talking about the, the past, you know, few or even all of the live action Disney remakes, this one, I think they just did it in such a, a really special way. Like they elevated characters. Um, they, they created, or they, they built the storyline just like they built it out more. Um, and the only thing was, like, the CGI in the water was, like, a little, you know, it was, like, a little <laughs> iffy sometimes. But besides that, like, I I think this movie was, like, the opposite of a disappointment. You know, like, my expectations weren't crazy high, but, like, it... it they surpassed them. Exceeded them. Yeah, for nice. sure. Nice. Um, and, yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of talking about, like, Prince Eric's character development, for sure. Um and obviously how talented Halle Bailey is. So, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, Halle Bailey could not be more perfectly cast for this. Like, I know there's... Yeah. I, I, I think I the controversy is more, I think, for talk. I think people have more enjoy... Like, they find more enjoyment just talking about it, but they don't actually yeah. feel any controversy. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Because yeah. there is no controversy. She did great. I don't know what she's going to be in moving forward or if she's going to be a big-time actress. But this role was her role. Like, she did a great yeah. job in this role. Her voice is incredible. Her chemistry with, uh, the I don't even know his name, but the actor who plays mm-hmm. Prince Eric, they did a great yeah. job. It felt very organic. It felt natural. You said a great point where they just built this out a little bit more. If you like the yeah. 1989 version, which I think most people do, it's a classic, then you're going to like this because they give you the exact same experience with a little bit more substance a little bit more yes i don't know just a little bit more emotion a little bit more feeling to what they're trying to do and so i think yeah. they're synonymous like if you watch 1989 animated version and then watch this one or vice versa i think you're going to have pretty much the same exact emotion walking out you're gonna say wow that was that made me feel like a disney movie yeah. i don't think that's a bad ranking i mean this is my girlfriend's favorite year our favorite movie of the year she's gonna go see it for a third time mm-hmm. she's obsessed with it and yeah. <laughs> I saw it for yeah. I saw it one time and I, I was like, "Wow, this is this is enjoyable." So I yeah, I have nothing <laughs> negative to say about it. Yeah, I also think what they did well is um, they really it made sense why Ariel and Eric ended up together. Like it wasn't just like, "Oh, she sees this man on a ship and he's hot," and then she's like, "Let me save him," and then try would and that marry be wrong him. though? But I mean, like, he is hot. He's an attractive individual, you know. So I mean, she wouldn't be wrong in that hey, that hey, decision. Hey, hey. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, they really, you know, they they show that they have similar interests in explore in you know adventure and exploring and um and and things like that and like the ocean, obviously. Um, and they they just have both like a lot of curiosity. And just similar qualities, and I think that was a really good touch to add to this, to make their relationship more believable and make us root for them more, I think, um, even though we do in the original. But, you know, just make it a bit more, like, realistic, I guess. Yeah, so I agree. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so number four, right? 
Um, yeah, number four on my list, I have Air by Ben Affleck, okay, starring Matt yeah. Damon. This is it, this is an enjoyable movie. I don't even care if you like basketball. I just think mm-hmm. you you came on. I think the first time we had actually discussed like a conversation on a podcast, which was a while mm-hmm. ago, you had mentioned how how simple this felt as like a like a, from a filmmaking side, but how beautiful it was because it just felt very practical. Everything you can see what they were yes. doing. It wasn't like okay, they they cut here and they added some special effects here and they did the CGI here and the green screen. It felt very much like you were walking with the filmmaker making mm-hmm. this film in every room in every conversation. And Matt Damon, I'm not a big Matt Damon fan. He did great. Uh, Jason Bateman is phenomenal in everything he does. And he truly is kind of the underdog hero in this movie, which is kind of funny because I don't think people look at him too much. But I I just, being a basketball fan, I think it does elevate this story that much more to me. And from start to finish, you know, in the beginning intro, they show a little montage of all of the the commercials and stuff from 1984 because that's the year that Michael Jordan got drafted. And then, or 1985, Mm -hmm. one of the two. And... And then it goes into kind of this this perfect genre, this perfect vibe of oh wow, this feels vintage, this feels classy, you know. This I, I should say classic, yes. like it feels like a classic film, but it's modern. So yeah. I thought they did a really good yeah. job. Ben Affleck did a good job directing this. I I didn't really know his directing work too well, but mm-hmm. yeah, this was fun. Yeah, this is on my list, so I'll talk about it later. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. What's number three? Okay, my number three is A Good Person, directed mm. by Zach Braff, starring Florence Pugh. This Good was pick. definitely one of my favorites of the year. I mean, I was just so emotionally invested in this movie, and I, th- I th- just like thought about it for so long after I saw it. Um, I really respect that this is an original story, first of all. Um, I love, you know, just, just new original content um and I was just so locked in uh, throughout the entire thing I mean obviously Florence Pugh is a force like she is just amazing she's and incredible I, I she's just so good in this movie like I can't even say enough and it's really her film um like obviously Morgan Freeman is is wonderful and their chemistry is really great and the chemistry with um the daughter as well is really good in this movie but she's just like she really gets to show off and, I mean, Zach Braff wrote this for her. Like, it really shows. Um, and there's one scene that I think is my favorite scene that all, of all year, um, so far at least. It's between her and her ex-boyfriend or fiancé, husband, <laughs> one of them. Um, and it's when she's in... Um, is it at the church or I don't know. Anyway, they like sit down and they're speaking and it's about, they're talking about grief and, and everything. And I was just bawling. Like I was done. It was just one of the most beautifully written scenes and it was just really powerful. So I love this movie. So yeah, that's my number three. Nice. I had a great time going to this movie. I went with two of my closest friends and we walked out and these are two of my friends that I get into very deep, very emotional conversations with. And they both loved it. I mean, we walked out. And I loved it, too. I thought it was really well made. I will say there was a a distracting scene. It was a party scene. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. felt like that wasn't Zach Braff's type of, like, style. I don't think he sure. really knew what to do with that. 
But that's funny because that's not like even remotely important to the substance of this film. Like the substance of this film was Florence Pugh and her character journey and then Morgan Freeman and his character journey and how they kind of yeah. collide and how they have these parallels to one another. And this is a really good movie. It, it is, you know, sad slash, yes. you yes. know, deep and a little bit like you need to go in with the right expectations. I won't For say sure. it's as heavy as Beautiful Boy, but it reminds me a lot of just being like a cousin or like a type of film in that similar genre. Definitely. So. I, I like those movies. I think that it's very realistic. It's something we don't talk about enough. And mm-hmm. Zach Braff being the ex, you know, to Florence Pugh and them being able to have this very professional relationship and making this film, I just mm-hmm. thought it was really well done. So, nice pick. Yeah. I like that. All right. Number three on my list. Maybe a sleeper, but damn, this movie is good. How to Blow Up a Pipeline. This movie oh. is... Wow. This is definitely like the best thriller of the year. This is the best. Mm-hmm. This gets you on the edge of your seat. You're in it from start to finish. Um, and the the style of the way they format the film, which, you know, when you're watching a movie, you're typically used to watching the intro. You kind of get to know the characters. You go through the, you know, kind of this build up, build up, build up. There's kind of a bad moment and then they resolve it. The way this movie worked is they kind of threw you in the events and mm-hmm. as the events are going, they slowly give you individual character flashbacks to kind Love of paint that. a picture to who these characters are. So you're slowly getting to know them as the story's already propelling. And yeah. I like that a lot. I think it just immerses you into the story without any lull. I mean, this is terrible of me to say, but it's kind of like, hey, if you're a TikTok viewer, I think this is going to be your type of movie because there's no downtime. <laughs> like there's zero downtime. Right, right. It's very much go, go, go. The development comes in the heart of the story rather than you needing to pay attention for mm-hmm. 30 minutes to build something up. So, yeah, this is this is good. I think the only big actor, I'm already forgetting his name, uh, Lucas Cage? Luke Cage? Lucas Cage? Yeah, from White Lotus. That's where at least yep. I know him from. But, yeah, that, I'd say that's the biggest name in this film, and, and I like mm-hmm. how they kind of just... When you watch a fresh set of actors, you have nothing to expect. And that's what I like. I Whereas if you're watching Wes Anderson's film or, you know, Oppenheimer or Barbie, you kind of have this expectation to what you're going to see. So Yes. Wait, that was like, the, this is the perfect segue into my next movie. But I will say, I have been wanting to see this as well. I remember when my film group at school had a early screening for it and I couldn't make it and I was really bummed. So this is definitely on my list to see. Boo. Um, Just kidding. But, but speaking of um, kind of, I guess, more unknown actors and having a blank canvas in a way, my number two, ugh, my number one and number two are like very, they're very different films and they're very interchangeable for me. Like I really like both of these. Um, I saw it last night. <laughs> what? And this is, yes, I saw this last night and this is Past Lives. Oh, so I know. I know. <laughs> I had to preface. I, I had to say it. I, you, I you, know you did. You're rubbing you did. dirt in my wound right now, but that's all right. <laughs> I know. So, wow. I mean, since I just saw it, I'm like still having like a visceral reaction to it. But this was just such a, first of all, it's like super A24. Like if you know what that means, you know what that means. Like, Is it's, this a non-English film? No, there's, there's, it's, it's, double so it's english and korean nice okay cool. but it's mostly english it's mostly english cool um 
yeah. Um, and this movie, what I mean by very A24 is it's, it's very, you know, artistically driven, uh, mostly in terms of cinematography, like, there's a lot of lingering shots on, like, nature, and then, like, kind of bringing it up into the action of the scene, um, and it's, it's also just, I guess some people would call this slow, but I didn't find it slow at all, I was very locked in, um, for this being a debut, like, a directing, writing debut, I was, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what am I even doing? <laughs> like, it was just, it was so beautiful. It's about childhood and kind of how we change over time. It's about fate and, like, what could happen if our lives went a different way. Um, so the two leads of this movie are Greta Lee and uh, Tao Yu, um, who's a Korean actor, um, she, I knew her from The Morning Show, and that's the only thing I knew her from. Um, You're a big fan of The Morning Show, huh? I love The Morning Show. <laughs> yeah, we had talked about this. That's right. I, I have nothing bad against it. I've never seen it. <laughs> I just, you're giving me a look like, Spencer, don't don't you say anything wrong about The Morning Show, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I love The Morning Show. It's a great, it's a great show. Um, so, some char- some people would say that her character is, like, annoying in The Morning Show. I don't, I don't think so, but she... I could tell she was a great actress, and she really gets to shine through in this movie. Um, it's a romance. It's a. It's also kind of like a coming of age in a way, even though there's time jumps. So like it, it jumps like twelve years into the future, and then another twelve years in the future. So are they changing actors? No. So oh. It starts. It starts basically with them being like ten years old. They're like in right middle school ish age. Can I read this synopsis so that people yeah, know for what Because sure. pa- I feel like this is one that we yeah. should read the synopsis because everybody's heard yeah, of yeah, pretty yeah. much read all the, the other ones. So it says, Nora, Nora and Hei Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends, are rest apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea. Decades later, they are reu- reunited for one fateful week as they confront destiny, love, and the choices that make a life. That's a pretty good description. <laughs> huh. I actually have zero idea what to go into, which is good. Yeah. Like, I like that they left it pretty pretty blank. Yeah, I did not really read a lot of I didn't watch the trailer before I saw this. Um, I did read the synopsis, but I, I saw... The only thing I saw was on TikTok, a bunch of people were, like, sobbing coming out of this movie. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be, like, really depressing. But... It's not sad in a depressing way. It's more... I mean, I did cry. I will say that. But it kind of hits you at one moment. Like, I wasn't expecting to cry. I was like, oh, this is, like... This is really emotional, and I feel I feel the emotions, but I'm, I'm not going to cry. And then there's one part where I was like, oh, I'm done. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was I'm done. Really, it was right at the end. Um, and it really... I think it, it, like... It makes you think about your own life in a way and I think movies that do that can are really moving um because it feels personal and even if you didn't experience this exact thing which is a really obviously unique story and it's a great story I mean and one thing I'll say about this movie is it deals with like romantic tropes that we've seen before but it it talks about them um it it, so instead of addressing them they actually talk about it like it kind of I don't know how to... There's, like, difficult conversations in the movie. It feels realistic. Like, you know how in some... Like, 
either rom-coms or just romantic dramas, there's, like, an unspoken thing, like, oh, this this guy and this girl have been together, but then this other guy's here, and, like, yeah. clearly there's some attraction between the girl and the yep, guy. for sure. And they don't break, they don't talk about it, there's just, like, this unspoken thing. In this movie, they, like, actually talk about it, and there's conversations, like... Oh. Um, I don't want to give it a... I don't want to spoil anything, but, like, they really discuss the hard things and that's why it feels realistic because i feel like people would say those things in real life because when you're in a relationship you have to have the difficult conversations and absolutely in, in um in certain romantic movies they don't um, that's a good point they don't touch on the that. drama and yeah they don't yeah. so in this one they really do and that's what i liked about it it's also just stunning like the the some shots are like oh my like they just really captured <laughs> the lighting at some moments and they did a lot of backlighting which like so the characters are in silhouette which is so pretty oh so okay. pretty so it was also just really stunning to look at um yeah i could talk forever about this it was so great hey there, um, i yeah. feel like that is that's what happens too when you watch it like if you watched this two weeks ago three weeks ago yes i, I will say I, I think you'd be excited but i don't think it'd be that recent like that powerful yes nature of wanting to talk about it you know this is how you felt with can i remember you came home you're like i need to talk about can because this is just bonkers (laughs) which your experience at can was bonkers Mm -hmm. and if you ever want to know some uh some insider secrets insider trades just talk to leah off uh off podcast (laughs) and you'll find out so (laughs) three movies i will say that are on my watch list from this year that i have not been able to see and i would be confident that Maybe all three would be on this list. Maybe one, two, or three. Past lives, mm-hmm. you hurt my feelings, and a thousand and one. Yes. I have not seen. I have not seen any of those. So I haven't heard of a thousand and one. Yes. So that was kind of a low key film. Um, okay. A, an acquaintance of mine from social media was like, "Hey, you need to check this one out." And oh, I looked wow. at it. It looks phenomenal. I remember seeing the trailer for it, but I just don't think it was a wide release in any fashion. So mm-hmm. those three are definitely high on my list and whether they're still in theaters or if I need to see them when they're streaming, I keep an eye on that. Like I, I'm not somebody who just says, Oh, let me watch some old movie that I've never seen. I try to find new movies that I didn't get a chance to see because yeah. AMC doesn't play anything out in Utah. It's, it's <laughs> kind of bad, but good pick. Yeah. Nice. I am that, that will past lives will be seen this week. So I can guarantee that. So yes. wait, what was the second one you said? Sorry. Um, oh, uh, so I said past lives. You hurt my feelings, and a thousand and one. I'm definitely want to see that. Yes, really yeah. want to see that movie. It's it's yeah. like twenty dollars though on like Amazon. I know. Then see, that's I'm the like, thing. It's like, yo, I pay twenty dollars to get out of the comfort of my home. I don't exactly. want to pay twenty dollars <laughs> to be in the comfort of my home. Okay, exactly. I'm one of those people. I'm not one to like lean towards streaming. I'm one to leave streaming. So right, right. All right, number two on my list. Wow. This movie's great. I loved it. I saw it three times. I saw it three times in like three days. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I know it. Yeah. I And you know, know what's funny? It. I Maybe this is a hot take. I could not really care less for the first two films. Like, I thought they were fine. <gasps> wow. I thought they. I thought they were like, yeah, they're fun, you know? But like, on the wow. emotional level that this movie hits, this one is far far apart from those ones this one is on its own level of emotion and storytelling and character development james gunn focuses fully on the character he could not care less about 
hey, we're in this cool environment, or we're going to show you this big and bad villain. He shows you a villain that is pretty much on the same level as these heroes, which I think Marvel and DC have a problem with. Like they, I feel like they tend to include a villain mm. that is the most powerful person or thing or creature that's known to mankind, when in reality... <laughs> If that's the case, we would get another Avengers movie, but that's not the case. So we need somebody who's a little bit more, I don't know, just relatable. You can see the powers matching. You can see the strength matching. And I just thought they did a really good job of including mm-hmm. so much comedy with so much emotion. I cried in this movie. This just, yeah, it, it breaks your heart, but it also like repairs your heart in so many ways. This is a really good film. And I think one of the best... This is my second favorite MCU movie of all time behind Infinity War. So Whoa. I would definitely check this one out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously I've been hearing, I I just, this came out while, or like right before or right when I went to Cannes, I think, like maybe even during it. And so I just, I just haven't had a chance to. When to did go you go to Cannes? Was it like May 15th? Yeah. Yeah. It came out that week. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't see it opening weekend and I. When I don't see stuff opening weekend, it, like, will take me a second to go see it, I feel like. That's fair. Because um, I wanted to see Little Mermaid. That was, like, top of my list, and that came out during, while well, I was at can too. So, anyway, um, yeah, I need to see this, because I'm a huge MCU fan, and I'm just so excited, because I know it's going to, I know I'm going to love it, and I'm just so excited to, to have a movie an MCU movie because I haven't enjoyed one in so long. <laughs> like, see, and that's you know how I, mean? I felt. I felt yeah. that way. Like, I have no hope. You know, I'm still going in open minded. Ant Man and the Wasps just truly underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You know, Shang Chi just nah, not really there for me. Yeah. I feel like the last like truly enjoyable MCU movie was Spider Man. Um, what what is it? Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah, no that way one home. with. Yeah, with all the, the yeah. Spider-Man. So Agreed. That that was my last like truly Agreed. enjoyable MCU movie. And so it's been two years <laughs> with so much content in between. So this was re- a yeah. refreshing slate of good storytelling. And that's just James Gunn. So It is. It is. Number one? Okay, Are we going so number one? My number one. Yes. Ooh, I'm okay. fascinated. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated. This is on your list. This is on oh, your I know, list. I know what your number this. one is. I know what your number one is. <laughs> Okay, my number one is Air, um, and yeah, so this movie, I saw it opening weekend, um, I think, obviously, like I said, Past Lives and Air are very different. I think this movie is just such a great combination of everything, like, it is great directing, a great screenplay, um, wonderful performances, and just a story that is... It's obviously based on, like, real-life events, which does help a movie be marketable, be and, and obviously a, a beloved story like this. Um, but I think, like, as a non-sports person, I enjoy this movie so much. Like, I'm not... Like, I, I enjoy sports, but not to the extent of, like, a normal fan, I guess. And I loved this movie. Like, I was really connected to it. I think the screenplay is really, really good. Um... To me, it, like, emulates Aaron Sorkin, like, that walk and talk, which it does. I love Sorkin films, and, um, and I just, I'm just so engaged with those kind of, those kind of movies, um, and I think the, the story of the screenwriter is actually really interesting, I don't know if you know, but he was, um, 
basically just a writer who a few of his scripts were on the blacklist, and then he was just, you know, just like a regular working, struggling writer, kind of, and then he got this huge deal. <laughs> so I just think that's really cool. Um, and he wrote this after watching The Last Dance, which was obviously huge. Um, I mean, best documentary, think, arguably, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, so. exactly, exactly. Um, but I think the the reason why this is my number one is I, as I've become like more of a film person and I've understood just more about like the style of movies, um, like I've noticed different things. But I think if I wasn't a movie person or even before, um, I've started getting really into movies because it's only been the past few years. I would have loved this. Like this would have been my favorite. And I think just that like raw entertainment. And great story, great performances, like I said, um, makes this my favorite movie. Nice. The year so far. Nice. This is a great pick. And it's on on Amazon Prime. You know, it's on Prime Mm -hmm. Video. So if you, once again, Leah is not a sports fan, or at least not to the extent (laughs) of, like, me being a basketball fan. And the fact that we both can enjoy it, that just means there's great storytelling there. There's great characters. There's just great energy. I think the tone is so enjoyable. You're not feeling too antsy. You're not feeling too, like, reserved, and you don't feel bored. There's just a really good level of, I guess, intensity throughout this entire film. So I would recommend going to see that, for sure. It's just so... It's so optimistic, you know? And I think that's why I love it, because sometimes movies can get really, like, hopeless. (laughs) And I feel like this just... This leans into obviously it's like it's a it was hard for this to happen this story or this um you know the deal to get made but it's so hopeful um, yes and also I just have to mention Viola Davis that's all yeah she's great she's great <laughs> just I'm, I'm still gonna stand I'm gonna stand my ground in saying that Viola Davis needs to lead a film like fully yes, herself agreed. she is one of if not the best supporting actress currently i need her to lead a film because i know she has it in her so i agree i mean come on we saw fences fences is great i was gonna say fences i know but it's been a while it's been a while Mm -hmm. so number one on my list i don't think this is a surprise (laughs) spider-man across the spider-verse yep this you know this is a part one of a part two and i think the tricky thing with part ones of part twos is that you you don't have a full story arc that can be really hard for i didn't know that yeah, so this is part one. Well, so they changed the name from okay. Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 and Part 2 to Across the Spider-Verse and then Beyond the Spider-Verse, but they are Part 1 and Part 2, essentially, still. So they changed okay. the name, but the story's still the gotcha, same. Gotcha. But I think what's hard okay. with these is that you, as a person watching a movie, you come to expect start to finish. You come to expect that. Like, you start something, it wraps up, and it finishes, whether... You're happy at the end, whether you're sad, whatever you're feeling, you can at least leave knowing that it's kind of complete, you know? And then there are films like mm-hmm. Dune, part one, which doesn't do that. It leaves it on a cliffhanger. They do kind of wrap it up, but they leave it on a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they have <laughs> Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which they do leave you on a massive, massive cliffhanger, but the storytelling okay. is brilliant up to that point that you don't mind. You're like, okay, I'll wait. I'll wait for the, yeah. you know, the year or two years. Just like Infinity War, you know, when that happened and you're itching for Endgame, you can wait though because of how well that movie was made. And I just think, visually speaking, this is the most beautiful film I've ever seen in my life. 
I just thought they did stuff I've never seen. I could never imagine that right from the get-go when you see the, the Columbia pictures and the Sony and your jaw's on the floor. You're like, how are they doing this? You know, like literally how are they yeah. doing this? Yeah. You know, and they change. I think there's six animation styles with the different worlds that they go in. They create, I would say, hundreds if not thousands of spider people it is such an ambitious film, probably the most ambitious film I've ever seen, and it just connects. Mm-hmm. It works. Sometimes you get ambitious and you tend to leave things out or you tend to skip corners. They didn't. So they they did a really good job. I'm just I'm happy. I think this locks in another Oscar for, for these individuals. So mm-hmm. I know we're early in the year. We have a full second half of the year. I have two animated films going against each other in our next list, but... I just think this one has it. It has it in the bag. I don't think there's any competition. So any thoughts on our on our list on Spider-Man on, yeah, how do you feel? Yeah, well, so I talked to, um, my sister saw this and her, so my brother-in-law, her husband is, it, the first movie is his favorite movie, like in general. Um, and she was like, she loved the movie, loved it, obviously. She was like, it was very overwhelming. Like, she was, like, it was, she was, like, I couldn't even, I didn't even know what was going on at certain moments, because I was just, like, overwhelmed by the visuals, um, and I can totally, like, I can totally see that, so I'm, I'm very excited to see this, I mean, honestly, um, Sony, it's Sony, right? Yeah. So they've just blown animation out of the water, I feel like it surprised a lot of people with the first one, and just continuing their work, and you know, clearly, it's hard, it's hard to top a movie that got so much hype and love and, um, and, you know, like, with the sequel, and clearly they have, so I'm very excited. Yeah, and I don't know if this says anything, I did enjoy it my second time better than the first, but I had a great Mm -hmm. time both experiences, but I think to, uh, was it your sister, you said, your Mm sister-in-law? Yeah, so to, to her credit, I think it is very, very ambitious, like incredibly ambitious that you, I think you have to go see it a second time to truly understand like, okay, that's where that fits. That's where that fits. Now I get this. Okay. That makes more sense. I do think it's still enjoyable the first time around, but I think it's necessary because there's a lot, there's a lot to include. So, all right. How are you feeling? I know we're, we've been on for a while. You feeling good? Got some energy (laughs) left in you? Okay. We're going to do, this is going to be fun. We're going to do a quick... This is where that like we're gonna start throwing hands, you know. I just know Leah is gonna start throwing oh, hands gosh. with me because what we're gonna do <laughs> is we're going to pick preemptively because we just ranked the ten best films from January through the end of June, and now we're going to kind of predict the best movies from July to December through the form of like a one to one, like a one on one. Okay, and we're gonna both give our own takes, you know, and they they might be similar, we might disagree. But I paired I paired movies together according I already said this, but according to the style and the type and how it feels. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll have some tougher conversations rather than easy ones. So Ooh, you okay. ready? Yes. I'm scared. <laughs> All right. Number one on my list. Of course I have to start with Oppenheimer. So I put Oppenheimer against Dune Part Two. So I have Ooh. to ask you, which one do you think will be the better movie? Okay. So for, I'm just going to say, I think Oppenheimer will be the better movie. Nice. I personally like Chris Nolan's films um, over Denis, but I also think Dune 
part one, I didn't enjoy it as, as much as other people did. Um, I thought it was just so much exposition and I was like, get to the point, which I'm really <laughs> excited. I mean, I think I'm going to enjoy the second one more. Like I do. Um, but I also think just with the ambition of Oppenheimer and knowing some stuff about how it was made and what the intention is behind it, I think it is going to be better. Nice. Yeah, so I will say my pick is Oppenheimer. I do think this is a tougher battle because, like you said, Dune Part 1 is a true setup, and Dune Part 2, I think, is going to just punch you in the mouth with great storytelling. Like, I just think there's going to be so so much more happening. But Mm -hmm. I think these two could go down as two of the better films of the year. I just think that's such Mm -hmm. a hard battle. But, all right, Oppenheimer takes that one. Uh, This is an interesting duo. I just didn't know... The type of movie yeah. to pair with Barbie. So Barbie is this first film. Okay, yeah. And I think you'll know this movie better than most. So maybe people are like, why are you pairing it with this movie? But I paired it with The Color Purple. So this movie's coming out in December. Oh. And there's a lot of anticipation for this movie. There's a lot. I mean, it comes out, I think, on Christmas Day. And I just, I I don't know. So I need <sighs> oh to hear what gosh. you think. Oh, Okay, so... Um, I'm a big musical person, uh, theater, I'm a theater kid at heart. Oh gosh, this is hard. See, don't let the marketing movies, fool you. I know, I know. I'm really trying to be objective right now. <laughs> I'm really trying to be objective. Who is, the thing is, I don't know who's like behind color purple new movie. Um, okay. So the color, the color purple it actually has Halle Bailey in it. Oh, by the way. I know talk- it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that because yeah. I saw the trail. The trailer is great, by the way. The trailer is wonderful. Yeah. Okay, I'm looking really, at really it now. Great. Okay, yeah. so. So Blitz Bazawuli, who I don't yeah. know. It looks like relatively newer. Like, I don't know too mm-hmm. much of, mm-hmm. of yeah. their work. So. Yeah, so, uh, so this is produced by Oprah and Steven Spielberg, which obviously were involved in the original. Um it's a beautiful story. I think it's going to be, I mean, it has incredible stars in it. So I think it's going to be great. But for me, Greta Gerwig is the backbone of Barbie. Despite the marketing, despite the insane cast, she is so reliable for me. And I just love her that... I think, huh, I think Barbie. This is a weird combination, you're right. But I think Barbie is going to be better um, in terms of what it's trying to achieve. I think Color Purple is a musical movie, so those are always, like, a little interesting in terms of, like, how how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to, like, rank this or how am I supposed to criticize this in a way? Um, but, yeah, I think Barbie is my pick. Nice. Yeah, I do think you made a great point. Greta Gerwig, if she was not attached to this film, I think this easily goes to the color purple, even with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling and Will Ferrell Mm -hmm. and all these other actors that are involved in this movie. I just think Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach are kind of an indestructible duo. Noah Baumbach wrote this film, Greta Gerwig directed it, and so I just think that's hard to beat, especially when you work with Frances Ha, Little Women, um... What marriage is it, Lady story. Bird? Yeah, Marriage Story. There's that's that's just a hard 
slate to overcome. So I'm also going to yeah. say Barbie. I do think this one yeah. is hard. When I looked at the color purple, I was like, this one's a kind of a good match to Barbie. And the musical is so, the music in color purple is so good. Like I'm excited. I'm excited. And I think so Halle good. Bailey, maybe she solidifies herself as a star truly in this film. Like I think maybe yeah. Little Mermaid was like, hey, look, she was perfectly cast, but maybe this is truly her mark. For sure. And I think what's nice about Color Purple is that for Barbie, obviously there's very established stars in that movie, whereas uh, Color Purple, the lead, I'm pretty sure, is like kind of an unknown um, actress. Because Halle Bailey's like a supporting character. Um, And there's some like Broadway actors in the movie as well, which I always love when when they get their moment to shine. Because obviously I, I think Broadway is one of the hardest professions that you could possibly do, and and when they get their their flowers, getting to do it on the screen because that obviously gets more recognition and just more awareness. Um, I always love to see that. So mm, I'm like looking at the cast and looking at their work and the color purple, <laughs> and they are in great stuff. Like Taraji, yeah, I, I don't know how you say her yeah, name. Yeah, Taraji Fiance. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. she's great. Coleman yeah. Domingo from Euphoria is great. Like this is this mm-hmm. is a good cast, you know. It's and I'm excited to see what they do. So, it is. all right, yeah. next on our list, we have Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 versus The Creator. Oh, gosh. And if you don't know, The Creator is starring uh, John David yeah, wait, Washington. Yeah, I heard of this. This okay. is kind of an AI sci-fi movie coming out in September. The trailer's great. Are we making great. me go first for all of these? <laughs> I, I could go first. I, I am <laughs> choosing The Creator, and I, I'm first. strictly saying this because... I'm not a Mission Impossible fan. I like the last one. I thought the last one was just really well done. I think it separates itself from the others in the franchise. They just don't feel like the same movies. (laughs) So (laughs) I do think Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is going to be explosive. It's going to be in your face. It's going to be super intense. And it's going to have a lot of practical effects. But I think the creator will be more original because it's not based on... From what I understand, it's not based on anything. Like it's a, it's an original story. It's an original sci-fi story. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of John David Washington. I just think he can lead a film, as we saw in Tenet. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the creator. Okay, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. Nice. Because have, it's also we haven't had to throw hands yet. I know. Well, it says described as a post-apocalyptic thriller involving a future impacted by a war between humans and AI. So. This is obviously very uh, relevant, I guess you could say. So that's going to be interesting. Also, it says the cast has Allison Janney and Gemma Chan. So, like, I'm already sold on that. You should definitely watch the trailer um, after we get done. Okay, I'm going to watch it's the a trailer. Great trailer. I'm super excited. I haven't. I honestly haven't heard of this yet. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I like it. You're taking. You're taking my word for it. Okay. Next yes. one. Two massive films. We have Killers of the Flower Moon by Martin Scorsese and Napoleon by Ridley Scott, the new Joaquin Phoenix film. Oh, so, I have an answer. <laughs> okay, what's it going to be? <laughs> so mine is Killers of the Flower Moon. Okay. Um, I have some friends who saw it already, so that like definitely helps. But um, I Ridley Scott, I think I mentioned this either on this podcast or your other one, um, is a hit or miss for me. Um, I obviously what's a movie of his that you love, and what's a movie that you didn't like? You just didn't like recently, okay, just like so in the top of your sec, mind. Let me. Well, I think uh, House of Gucci. I really, really did not like. 
Okay, that's um, fair. That was probably about BS. And then, like, I mean, he's done just some, like, le- like really good legendary movies, like Alien or Gladiator, like, you know, like... Did you see The Last Duel? No, but um, I remember when that came out, but no, I didn't see it. Yeah, it flunked at the box office. It did yeah, not... It, totally it was not flunked. successful financially. That uh-huh. movie was... It was so gritty. It was so raw that I was like, mm-hmm. this makes me feel like this is true Ridley Scott. This is the Ridley Scott film. Yeah. And Napoleon reminds me of that style, which gives me hope that it's going to be this gladiator slash last duel like type style. But I mm. maybe I'm going to let you know right now. I don't I'm trying to decide because I am not. Okay. The biggest fan of Martin Scorsese. That might be bold, but okay. I like okay. I like some no. of his films, and then I dislike yeah. some of his films. I love Wolf of Wall Street. I love Goodfellas. I thought they were great, but I'm not the biggest fan of Gangs of New York. I just I, he he's so different with his like the way he yeah. makes films, That's and fair. I don't know how to describe that other than the word different. But he's yeah. just not. He's not like, consistent. Sh- yeah, Shutter Island. I, I've said this many times. I think if Christopher Nolan did that film, it would it would be ten times better because the story is incredible. I love that, I love that story. <laughs> I love it. I actually think yeah. it is so intriguing, but very underwhelming to me at the end. I was like, oh, this you're gonna wrap it up like this? Okay, so really? I might be in the minority of that one, but I will say this is a three hour essential like you know bio. I don't know, what do you call this? Yeah, biopic? Not biopic? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a true story, or based on a true story, and it has some incredible talent. You know, you can't go wrong with Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Brendan Fraser. I'm excited to see uh, Lily... What? What's, I'm, I'm Lily... Right, yeah, I'm right, like Gladsmith or something like that? Gladstone. Gladstone. Gladstone, yeah. Yeah. I'm... I'm Super excited to see her because yes, apparently this is gotten... she just pops off in this movie. Yes, so that's what I've heard I am well. going to say Killers of the Flower Moon. But I, Joaquin Phoenix might be top three best actors today currently. Mm-hmm. And he's proving it in everything he does. Even in Bo is Afraid, not a fun movie, not a great movie. He goes all out in that movie. He yeah. just finished Joker. He's in Napoleon. Mm-hmm. I just think he's so great. So I will he say Killers, but... I think this one was harder yeah. for me. Maybe then it would be for many people. I think, yeah, I agree. I think for me, I just think I'm going to be more invested in the story of Killers more. Yeah. Than okay. Napoleon. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Okay. Uh, next one, Maestro, the Bradley Cooper uh, directorial project against yes. David Fincher's The Killer. Okay. Starring okay. starring Michael Fassbender. So yes, yes, big fan okay. of Michael Fassbender. David Fincher hasn't done a film since I think Mink. Was it Mink in twenty oh, twenty? Did you see that? I did not see it. No, that was I was not good. I, I heard it was not David Fincher esque. Like I heard it, it wasn't. wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't so David I haven't seen it. I like Gary Oldman, but I just never got around to it. Mm-mm, wasn't a good but, movie. But you know, David Fincher. Let I you know. Let me remind audiences. You know, you have Zodiac, you have Seven, you have Gone, Gone Girl. Girl. I mean, he's Girl really with the good. Tattoo. That movie is great. So is. great. So yes. he's one of the better filmmakers. I just think he's intense, but. Bradley Cooper, and you know he's been working on Maestro for four years. I'm choosing Maestro. I so am I. I, I picked Bradley <laughs> Cooper at the beginning of the year to win Best Director at uh, next yes. year's Oscars for yes. this film. So 
Ooh, that's yeah. a big take. That is, um, that is, yes. No, I am, un- this is my most anticipated movie. Maestro is. I think Ooh. I mentioned this last year. But yeah, this is my most, for, like, excited for Oppenheimer, excited for Barbie. Maestro is my most anticipated movie. I am so excited for it. Um, I was absolutely in love with The Star is Born. Um, I also, I really love Leonard Bernstein, like I said before. I'm a big musical right. person. So That's right. So I... I'm really interested to see the relationship on screen because um, I think we talked about it before. It's like more of a relationship film rather than like a full biopic. Exactly. Movie. Um, and yeah, he just he. I'm excited. <laughs> Bradley gonna, Cooper is top great. tier. He's top tier. But David Fincher's really top tier. He and is, Michael Fassbender is top tier. So I'm. I agree. Oh, these are tough for me. Like I, it's so funny I because I, I am genuinely like 55. 60 percent on one mm-hmm. and it's pretty prominent which ones those are but i'm just waiting for that like 51 49 one you know so also, tilda swinton's in the killer Ooh, dang okay. oh i know i know dang. i know i'm so excited that's a netflix film by the way so that's kind of intriguing wow. i guess this you will know. be another this will be a second because mink was a netflix film so it was yeah all right, next on the list, we have Wonka versus The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you feel like this is a good, like, <laughs> head-to-head? Oh this is funny. Okay, you go first. <laughs> uh, uh, don't, let me, don't let me sway you, but I... You won't. Okay, so Wonka stars Timothy Chalamet. This is kind of a, an origin story slash, you know, there's not tr- a true connection to any of the other films, but... I just it stars Olivia Coleman, which oh. I I fully believe is top tier <laughs> actress. It's directed yeah. by Paul King, who um, I think people might know him best for Paddington, the Paddington series. He did the Paddington movies, which I uh-huh. haven't seen, but people just rave about Paddington. They're amazing. They're amazing. Yeah, I've I've never <laughs> seen them. I've never seen them. But you gotta watch them. I'm gonna say Wonka strictly because I want. I'm excited to hear Timothy Chalamet sing seven musical numbers and. I will say, though, The Hunger Games looks better than I anticipated. When they first announced this, I was like, another one? Yeah. But then you include um, you include Viola Davis in this film, Peter Dinklage. Uh, I, I'm already forgetting her name, but the main lead, who was in West Side Story. Rachel Zegler. Yeah, Rachel Zegler. Yeah. Great cast. Like, this is really well put together, and it looks yeah. great. So I don't know which. I'm going to lean toward Wonka, though. Yeah, I think... This is a tough one. Um, when you said Olivia Coleman, though, that kind of put me over the edge because I, well, I actually, so I, I know Rachel Zegler, um, and I, I think she's incredibly talented. Like she's just, I think she is also one of going to be a new, you know, kind of up and coming star, but she's already like pretty she's our, yeah she's like there but she is yeah. fresh in her career um yeah exactly and uh she also is going to be snow white so that's also that's another right piece in itself but um but i agree i think it looks the trailer looks better than i thought it would be because uh, when you do those sequels you know it's tough but it, it also was written by the original author of the hunger games so like i think you know it's it's not going to be like some kind of cheap ish sequel it's 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 directed by the same um, guy who did the the original, and yeah, so I think I think it'll be good. But I think I'm gonna say Wonka because I think that 
one, Timothy Chalamet, like, as much as he is at the center of pop culture a lot of the time, he's just really talented. Yes. And, like, his fame didn't come out of nowhere. so it's all right. (laughs) 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 Yeah. um. (laughs) Pedro Pascal or Timothy Chalamet? Let me hear it right now. Oh, my gosh. Well, see, the thing is, the delusional delusional pride of my brain is, like, (laughs) Timothy Chalamet and I could end up together. And then... (laughs) And then, um, and then Pedro Pascal is just like you know unattainable. So um, I've heard crazier things happen. To be honest, <laughs> I so I don't know. I don't know if that's, that's out true. out of reach. They're so different. I can't choose. All right, all right. Um, but you pick Wonka. You pick Wonka. Yeah, I pick Wonka. Okay, we're we're just we're right at that halfway mark. We have not disagreed. We might disagree here because I know you've seen one of these movies, but oh, it hasn't come out yet. Okay. So I'm going to do Poor Things with Emma Stone against May, December. Don't do it. Don't do it. No. <laughs> I knew you were going to say. You have to admit, these pairings are pretty good. Like, they, they feel, like, in line with each other. They do. Can you tell, can you tell I'm just seeking validation because I focus so hard? I was like, which movie should I pair with each other? No, this is a good pairing. I'm just mad about it. <laughs> um... I'm, I'm going to really let you go looking. first because you saw May-December. Yeah. This was, I'm, and remind uh, me, this was one, two, or three of your favorite films at Cannes. This and you was saw 24 this films. Two. This was wow. two. And wow. out of the movies that are going to come out in the U.S., this is one. Because my, my number one was a French film that probably will never see the light of day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, man. So... Uh, gosh see i'm really looking forward to poor things like it just looks so great like crazy like it, it just looks, looks weird as fuck and i'm here for it weird and i'm me too i am here for it but i'm gonna have to see because i have a sure thing on this one because i've seen one of the movies i'm gonna say may december it's nice. a great it's a great fucking movie it's just really great like it's nice. so awesome natalie um, portman coming in clutch yeah, and I think out of both of those, in terms of, like, broad um, reception, I think May-December will do – people. more people will like it because it's, like, more – it's not more – it's more mainstream, to be honest. Like, poor – like, Yorgos Lanthimos is such a strange guy. <laughs> like, his movies are so weird. And I think there's a very certain population of, like – movie people that love his work and just people in general. I mean, the favorite did really well, um, in terms of like, you know, awards and things like that. But, um, but yeah, I think May, December is going to take this one. Nice. I'll be honest. I haven't seen a single one of his films. I haven't seen lobster. I haven't seen the favorite. Um, this, this trailer and I, I don't, I don't put a lot of emphasis into what people say about their own movies because, James, especially James Gunn talking about the Flash just ruined all credibility. All credibility for me. I was like, no, I don't. I don't trust a single thing coming out of your mouth marketing a movie. But Mark Ruffalo talking about this movie. Oh my gosh! It it like amplified. Though I have level set expectations, still I have no idea if I'm going to like this. I think this movie is going to be ambitious in the way I want it to be. So I'm going to choose poor things. This will be our yeah. first disagreement. But yeah. I'm excited to see May December. This has Julianne Moore, right? 
alongside yeah, Natalie Portman. Portman. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Yeah. All right. There you go. Um, yeah, you hate Emma Stone. I get it. I All right. So next lo- one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait. I have to say though, I think Mark Ruffalo is like. I mean, he. I guess he's not underrated, but like, he's so amazing. Like, I think he should do more drama roles. I, I think agree, he should. I think he should so get back talented. to that because he started he's with that. So he started know, he with did. drama roles. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right, this one's more, yeah, this one's intriguing. So they're both kind of sports films, I guess. Uh So we have Next Goal Wins, which is the next Taika Waititi film starring Michael Fassbender. It's a soccer movie. And then we have Challengers, which is the Luca Guadagnino Zendaya film. Which one are you uh, leaning toward? You you shook you shook your finger like ah oh, this is not not even close. Challengers, what you... man, Challengers! Oh my gosh, did you watch the trailer? In Luca, I trust. Yes, I am Luca, definitely. Putting, I trust. I am definitely Luca, putting I Challengers. Trust. And and honestly, if Taika did Thor: Love and Thunder differently, I actually think I would feel different about this pick. Maybe maybe, maybe different because yeah. coming off of doing uh, Jojo Rabbit. Like, if Jojo Rabbit was the film before this one, I'd say, ooh, this is tough. Because right. oh, for that sure. that's peak filmmaking, and that's a oh peak film. Insane. But when you have, you know, Thor, Love, and Thunder, and you haven't really seen much other, you know, you haven't seen anything else, really, from Taika. Whereas yeah. Luca just barely did um, Bones and All. He did Call Me By Your Name. I just think he has that that energy to provide something so gravitating that and also like disturbing at the same time yeah and you just love it so i'm going yeah incredible okay. casting choices by the way yes um, you excited to see uh is it mike feist from yeah so he's also a broad original broadway dude so he was in uh and then i remember when he got cast in west side story and i was like oh my god like like i said before broadway actors getting cast in movies and then this is just a huge step up like this is amazing um and obviously the guy from the Josh uh, O'Connor from The Crown. Josh, yep. Um, yep. He received a lot of buzz from that show as well. And, and he just he was also in a movie that premiered at Cannes that was like pretty uh, under the radar. And I didn't I didn't end up seeing it, but I, I found out afterward that he was in it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. He's a great actor as well. And obviously nice. Zendaya. Yeah, Zendaya is phenomenal. And she looks great in this movie. I just Oh my god. Yeah, it's so funny when you watch the trailer, which if you need if you haven't seen the Challengers trailer, please go watch it. But when you watch, watch the trailer, the first half of the trailer, you're like, Oh, this feels very not Luca Guadagnino. And then it turns very much into Luca Guadagnino and you're like, Okay. For sure. Yep, yep, this is uh this you is just, right in line. You just know you're gonna feel something after you see one of his movies. Yes. Like you just have that guarantee. Yes. Yes. So. All right. You don't watch horror films, right? No. Okay. I do have two separate horror pairings on here. So I'm, we're just, you're, you got to give me your best guess. Okay. Oh gosh. Okay. So <laughs> I have Insidious, Fear the Dark, which is the okay. new Insidious project. And then I have right? The Nun 2. Okay. I know a little bit about Insidious. Um, you you should go first on these. I feel like I need to think about Okay. I am, I'm going to choose Insidious strictly because... And it's funny because Patrick Wilson is directing this, and he's also oh. the he's the lead in the Conjuring movies, which is also attached to the Nun. But he's also right. the lead in the Insidious movies, and he's also directing this. So this will be his directorial debut. And I have a thing like I, I kind of grow attached to actors directing projects that they're in because I just think they care so much more about mm-hmm. every scene. Like they'll they'll probably do thirty cuts if they have to to try to truly get what yeah. they want. 
And Insidious has never been a franchise that I am attached to. So that's the funny thing is the Conjuring series I love. None, the first none, I wasn't a big fan of, even though it's part of the Conjuring series. The second mm-hmm. one does look much scarier, but I just think Patrick Wilson will do a good job. So I'm going to choose Insidious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with you on that one. Also, Blumhouse right. is like the production company, and I know they do really quality work, so I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be good. Hell or yeah. at least better than the other one. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, Haunted Mansion versus Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel. They don't have a name oh. yet, but it's the sequel. Haunted to Mansion? It. Oh my gosh. That's so oh, funny. really? Okay. Oh no, that's not my choice. I just I was just reacting to you saying that. Um, is that supposed to be a horror movie? No, no, this isn't my second horror pairing. But the, oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, no, sorry, no, sorry. No. Um, I never the saw one? the original, by the way. Um, this is. The Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel. So they haven't named it yet, but that's the one okay. from 2021. I think that's the one that came out with Paul Rudd and... I didn't see it. To... Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I didn't see it. But... I'll <laughs> let you pick. Mansion, I just think of the Disney ride. It looks um, like the Disney ride. It looks like the Disney ride. Yeah. Also, the cast is like super interesting. I, I saw a poster for it yesterday when I went to see Past Lives. Um, what an interesting combo! You go to past lives and you see a poster for Haunted Mansion. You don't really, you don't really pair those two together. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I'll go. Why not? I'll just go Haunted Mansion. <laughs> All right, Haunted Mansion. I'm gonna go Ghostbusters. Okay, I a, I've never seen the original Ghostbusters. I actually haven't seen any Ghostbusters besides that one in 2021, mm-hmm. and that one was fun. So I think they're gonna do a good job. So we'll see. All right, The Exorcist Believer versus Saw 10. Yeah, you got to... I don't know this stuff. You You know, so The Exorcist Believer is being remade by the same individual, uh, Joseph Gordon Green, I think his name is, who did the Halloween movies. Okay, yeah. And, you know, in the first Halloween in 2018, like the first remake or the first kind of reboot, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. I thought it was really well well done, but then the second and third one were just not executed well. So I don't know what to think, but I never saw the original Exorcist. I know I need to, but I think this will kind of push me in that direction. I'm not mm-hmm. a big gore, gore, gore fan, so Saw has never really been super appealing to me. So I'm going to go Exorcist. Yeah, um, I, I really like that director. He's done other stuff, not just horror, obviously. Um, so I'll go with that one too. Cool. All right, that's that's the end of our horror film, so you don't have to worry. Next one, okay. we have Blue Beetle versus Craven the Hunter. So we have two Ooh, kind of okay. like, you know, we have one DC film that's kind of yes. being ambitious, and then we have another Sony Marvel film with our boy Aaron Taylor Johnson, potentially James Bond. We don't know. Mm, you go first. Oh, you, you always, you're going to put me on the spot. I... <laughs> Oh, wow. This is tough because Sony is not, they do not have a good track record of making live action Marvel films. <laughs> and DC is not in the James Gunn era yet, so I don't know what to expect with them. I am going to choose Blue Beetle. I liked, it's funny because I, I have more trust in Aaron Taylor Johnson as a lead. I just don't know. I think they're both yeah. going to be a little bit mediocre, but I'm going to choose Blue Beetle. And I'll choose Craven the Hunter just to be <laughs> just to just to throw just hands to, a little bit. Yeah, just to just to give a another another side. All right, last three, last three. Okay, okay so we have Wish, so the new Disney animated yes. film oh, versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. 
All right. I'm gonna go wish. My brother is like a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan when he was a kid. Um, well, he's 10 years older than me, so it was, he was like right in that age range. And so I know that, isn't that, that's coming out like now, isn't it? Or like soon? Yeah, it's, they're, they're both coming out pretty soon. Okay, yeah. But, I mean, the, I've seen some te- the teaser trailer, I guess, for Wish. I'm excited. I'm really hopeful. Because it looks enjoyable. It yeah, looks it looks really good. It looks interesting. They're really not giving away a lot about it, which makes me excited. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like it's going to it's going to bring that like maybe a little old Disney back. Um like n- not specific characters that we've known before, but like uh just that old f- Disney feel, I guess. So that's why I'm excited for it. Nice. Okay, I'm going to choose Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think the way that Seth Rogen is doing this movie is very similar to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I think they're taking this comic book style animation and they paired all the actors. So all the scenes and the dialogue between the the turtles, they Mm -hmm. did together. So they usually do separate and he he wanted them together for the chemistry. Mm -hmm. And I just think this will be like maybe ambitious of me, but the second best animated movie of the year behind Spider-Man. So I don't know. It might suck completely, and I'm just completely reading it wrong, but (laughs) I'm going to take that pick. So, all right. Back-to-back disagreements. I like it. All right. (laughs) Last two. So we have Gran Turismo, which is the new, like, racing movie. You know, we have uh, David Harbour. And then we have Dumb Money, which is Paul Dano. I'm so excited for Dumb Money. That movie, I think, that movie I think looks, Dumb Money has this. I think Dumb that, Money has it this. It has it. That movie looks freaking amazing. Yeah, I'm so yeah. excited. Yeah. I mean, let me just read. Wa- Did the trailer come out for that already? It just barely came it. out. Yeah, last okay, week. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, the cast is so good. I mean, Paul Dano, like, you really can't beat. He's... Yeah, you have Paul Dano, Shailene so Woodley, underrated. Sebastian Yeah, Shailene Stan. Woodley. I feel like not everyone likes Shailene Woodley, but I really like her as an actress. Yeah, um, I don't think she's bad at all. Yeah, Sebastian Stan Pete Davidson. Yeah, they also yeah. have Vincent. I, I, can't, I always forget his name, but he plays in Daredevil. He plays uh, Kingpin. I'm trying to remember what else he's in, but he's like... Oh, yeah. Duh. I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah, it's like Dono Frio or something. Dono yeah, Frio. yeah. <laughs> that, um, you shake your head, Dono Frio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick Offerman's in this movie. Yeah, I like Nick Offerman. I like him. He's. Me I too. feel like he's only gotten better since Park, Parks and Rec. So, all yeah, right, last one, sure. last one, and it's not a good one to end okay. on, but it's the last one. So we have the Marvels versus okay. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Oh, <laughs> so I've never seen Aquaman. Oh, okay. Um, so that probably sways my decision a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm, but I'm nervous for the Marvels. Like, I'm nervous. I don't know what to expect, to be honest. Because Captain Marvel is not a very good movie. And I haven't seen really the other characters, I guess, who are in this. Yeah, that's fair. Shows and movies. So obviously I'm going to watch it. And this is supposed to be like kind of the new group, isn't it? Yeah, I think what they're trying to do as well, which the trailer definitely paints this picture. Which I don't know how I feel about it yet, but I think they're really yeah. trying to change the tone of the character, similar to Thor. When Thor switched from the Dark World mm. to Ragnarok, I think they're trying mm. to do that with Captain Marvel because she was so 
stern and kind of cocky and i think they're trying to make her more like goofy and fun which it could work really well but it also could fall very flat on its face but i'm gonna pick the marvels personally me too yeah I'll, i'll i'll agree with that nice okay so i think that sets up that sets up our our anticipation for the movies coming yeah, out this year two hours in you know i probably longest <laughs> podcast known to mankind no not not longest. We're gonna, <laughs> i'm gonna do a 24-hour podcast one of these days i'm just gonna like eat snacks <laughs> you know just, just talk movies charge my laptop hopefully it doesn't die <laughs> but i first and foremost, i do have one last question but before i get to that I do want to thank you. You took two hours out of your night. That is not a short amount of time. And thank you, listener, for listening. Genuinely, this is a long yes. podcast, but a fun <laughs> one, hopefully. I thought we had some good conversations to go through. But my last yeah. question... I liked how... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you're good. I was just going to say, my last question is, what movie disappointed you the most so far this year? From January to the end of June, was there a movie you anticipated, you kind of had hopes for, and then it didn't really execute as well as you wanted it to yeah so i mean we've kind of talked about it a little we talked a little to death but uh mine is definitely asteroid city um okay. yeah i mean we've, we've talked about it so i won't spend too much time but uh but obviously such a reputable and incredible objectively filmmaker wes anderson and like i said before the experience I had seeing the premiere, and I still didn't even really love it that much, I think speaks to my, like, opinion on the film, and, and I was pretty disappointed. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Mine is Bo's Afraid by Ari Aster. I knew it! I was going yeah. to say yours is Bo's Afraid. I, I had a lot of hopes for this one. Hereditary yeah. is my favorite horror film of all time. Well, I shouldn't say favorite. It's the scariest to me. Uh, Halloween yeah. 1978 is my favorite horror film of all time. But Bo's Afraid just had so much going for it. It had a great cast, had a great filmmaker. It looked great um, until the CGI kicked in at the end. (laughs) But it just, (laughs) such a weird turnout for a movie that had a lot of promise. So, yeah, that would be my disappointed film. But any last thoughts, comments, concerns, feedback? Thanks for having me on. This has been great. It was, you know, it was definitely like a, I would say like a middle of the road beginning of the year. But, I mean, even talking about the ones, you know, looking forward, I mean, I already have my tickets for Barbie and Oppenheimer, I am, but that's really because they've sold out in L.A., <laughs> because L.A. is insane. <laughs> um, I am very excited for that week, and just the rest of the year in general. I think it's going to be a good year for movies. Um, hopefully, you know, the writer's strike gets settled, and SAG doesn't go on strike, and that gets settled. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, it's a weird year in the industry. It's definitely like kind of a historic year in a way. Yeah, I think we'll probably see some complications next year, similar to what we saw yeah, in 2021 sure. from 2020. For sure. And so I think right now it feels it feels normal to a viewer because they're not seeing much hiccup. But I think mm-hmm. next year there might be a little bit of hiccup. But regardless... Thank you again for joining. Thank you, audience member, or listener, whoever's on their couch listening yes. or in the car or whatever <laughs> the case may be. I, I don't take it for granted. I love talking about movies, and it's validating if anybody listens. But thoroughly, if you enjoy Leah, please follow her on social media. She posts incredible stuff from the film world. She's working on the Paramount lot. 
She's doing so much in film. Uh, definitely check out Film Update Time. That's where I'm posting everything. So yeah. if you're into movies, you love <laughs> movies, you want to be a part of them, you want to be a part of the podcast, uh, give us a rating. You know, see, just kind of be a part of this community that we're creating. But I appreciate you. So we'll chat with you next time. Peace. <laughs>